0: The reading today is from Matthew 1, 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus.
1: Amen. Thank you so much for that. Well, good morning, one and all. It's good to be here this morning, isn't it? Yeah, we like being here praising God and um, growing together in faith and those types of things. Well, thank you for the privilege of bringing God's word to you this morning. And as may be evident, um, I'm going to be talking to you about Joseph this morning. So before we get into that, let's just pause and pray and uh, give this time to the Lord as well. Father God, thank you so much that we can gather here. Thank you for your presence, your power and your love that is with us continuously. And Lord, we just pray now that the truth of your word will be made real to us. We want to hear from you. So speak to us, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we kick this off, I want to fill you in a little bit about what is actually happening around the verses that we've read this morning. And uh, when we think about um, the relationship... Can I have my slides up, please? Thank you. When we think about the relationship um, around Joseph and Mary at this time, I'm wondering what you're thinking as you look at Matthew 1 verse 18 and what is actually said in there. Uh, When we see that line about Mary and Joseph being betrothed, I wonder what you were thinking uh, that their relationship and where their relationship is at that time. And in our culture, when someone says that they're betrothed, we simply take that as meaning that they're engaged, but it was very, very different in biblical times, and certainly in this time when Mary and Joseph came together. And there was actually three stages to their relationship um, as they courted each other. And the first stage was when the spouse was actually chosen. And this was often done at a very young age. So uh, the young men and women would be pledged to each other quite regularly at the ages of between 12 and 13. And usually the parents. Um, The young man's family would choose a suitable bride for his wife, uh, for their son, and they would make an agreement that they would be pledged to each other. The most common age for young men to be married in this time was actually around 18, and early rabbinic texts, texts do actually confirm that. So the second stage of their betrothal, their coming together, was actually much more official and much more formal. So there was this legally binding agreement that they made before witnesses and once this agreement was made then the couple were legally bound. They could not just separate. There was a legal enforcement there as well. And so the only way to break that official betrothal was actually through divorce. And this It was at this stage that the bride price would have been paid, and that's paid from the family of the groom to the family of the bride. Then there's also a dowry that is paid uh, from the bride's father to either the bride or the groom, uh, which was intended to help them economically to start a family. And then there would also have been a gift given from the groom to the bride to uh, symbolize his commitment and value of their relationship and his commitment to her. Then normally about 12 months after that second stage, after that formal agreement was reached, the groom and his attendants would go to the bride's house where she was living with her mother and father and there would be a procession that would go back to the groom's house and we're aware of that with the story of the ten virgins in scripture and their um, lamps and their lack of oil etc and so this procession would go back to the groom's house there'd be this huge wedding supper with parents and friends and uh, those parents and friends would bless the couple in their marriage they would pray for them and the father of the bride would draw up a form contract a wedding contract where this couple would then be seen as being married and together and believe it or not soon after this the couple would be would pray together and then they'd consummate their marriage in a specially prepared nuptial chamber and then they'd come back out and continue the celebrations for another seven days or so that's a standard Jewish (laughs) wedding uh, at the time and in this verse, as we read through what we've said today, uh, Mary and Joseph are in that second stage of the betrothal. And uh, it's very interesting uh, at, at this stage to ask, what is it that we actually know of Joseph as these couple come together? And there's a few things that we can get from Scripture. There's very little um, space allocated to Joseph, I suppose, for our Scripture, but we are able to pick up quite a bit. And we know first and foremost that he is of the line of David because the angel, uh, the angel saying in this reading um, that we had this morning says that he's of the genealogy. And that's in Matthew 1, of course. And this is emphasized in Luke 2, where we're told that he traveled to Bethlehem uh, in accordance with the decree for each person to return to his own town, and he is of the lineage of David, as it actually says there. We also know that Joseph is a carpenter. And uh, I'm only going over this because we're living in a culture and a stage now where many people don't know the history of Jesus and um, who he was who he was and everything like that. And so they wouldn't know a lot about the the characters involved and mentioned in scripture as well so joseph was a carpenter it's commonly believed that he actually taught jesus his trade and uh, it's also mentioning, worth mentioning at this stage too simply because this bible verse mentions it that jesus did have brothers and he had sisters um, which isn't in agreement with a number of other faiths but it is clearly stated in scripture we also know that joseph was a faithful jew and a follower of the lord and these two passage passages indicate that quite clearly he was a gentle and considerate and compassionate man and this is best expressed in how he decided to deal with mary in the passage that we've read before the angel appeared to him he could have had her publicly shamed uh, brought before the people and the leaders quite likely she may have been stoned but joseph Although he was greatly hurt by what he saw as Mary's unfaithfulness, he didn't want harm to come to her, to ruin her reputation, any more than it already would be with the situation that she faced. The other thing which we possibly take for granted is the fact that Joseph was poor. When Mary Joseph came to offer the sacrifice, oops, one too many. When Mary Joseph came to offer the sacrifice that was uh, needed for the firstborn son, they offered a pigeon or a dove, uh, a couple of pigeons or doves. And this was an allowance that was made in the Levitical law for those who could not afford the lamb, and it was made for those who were poor. And so we know from this that Joseph was indeed poor. And so that's a little bit about who Joseph was, what he was like, and everything like that. Now we're going to look at how he lived that out. And so it isn't clear here in Matthew, but there are a few things that have happened as we come back to verse 10. Uh, We're told, sorry, as we come back to the verse that we looked at this morning, we're told that Mary was with child. And what's not actually covered in Matthew is the fact that this announcement came to Mary that she would be with child by Holy Spirit, and then she was also told that her cousin Mary was, her cousin Elizabeth was was with child, and so Mary packed up and took off to see Elizabeth. Now, the difference between our culture and their culture is, is in, in this second stage of. Um, ultimately Mary and Joseph's marriage, they wouldn't have any close personal contact. In fact, it was quite common for them to only see each other at a distance during this 12 months. They would never be able to go aside and have a quiet conversation on their own. They were never permitted to be on their own together where others could not see them. That just was not done. So Mary was not able to get Joseph off to the side and tell him about all that had happened before she took off to see Elizabeth. So Joseph was most likely aware that Mary went to see Elizabeth, but I don't think he would have been aware of the conversation that Mary had with the angel. Now from Nazareth to where Mary went um, to see Elizabeth in Hebron um, was about 130 k's in a straight line. At that time it took about a week to travel there and a week to travel back. And so we know that that's a couple of weeks there and then Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months. For those of you who have been pregnant, and I can speak about the first time my wife was pregnant, at three months, she began to show. In actual fact, we hadn't told anyone that we had Rebecca. We were told that we couldn't have children, and so when we went back to visit with a number of Elena's family in China, uh, in fact, I was the only Euro, um, so it was Elena and 16 of her close friends and family, Uh, it was quite obvious that she was pregnant, and we hadn't told anyone told her mum. And so her mum says, you better tell people. So uh, that's when we announced it. We find that Mary's in the same situation. She comes back to town. This is about 16 weeks after the angel came and spoke to her. Mary was beginning to show. And so Joseph has a problem. Could you imagine the first time he saw her? Joseph is a righteous man. And this isn't in a pious, self-righteous way. But Joseph wanted to live a life that was honoring and pleasing to God. Joseph wanted those he was associated with, including his lifetime partner, to be people who honored and glorified God, who obeyed his decrees. And so Joseph kept the law of Moses. And in doing this, when he saw his wife, his first thought was that he was going to seek A certificate of divorce. And in that age and day, there were some very strict factions of Judaism who would have insisted, even if Joseph didn't want it, they would have insisted on a divorce. Because this act of adultery produced a state of impurity, which in itself dissolves the sanctity of marriage. And they would have insisted that Joseph separate from Mary. And so Joseph is in this state where he believes that Mary has committed adultery. And so he's got a number of choices to make in the midst of this. And he can seek the expected public divorce from Mary. And her condition would be made known to all, and she would suffer shame, she would be dragged before the community, she would suffer disgrace at their hands, she would be accused of being an adulteress, and there is a very good chance that she would be stoned, even though that was minimized around that time. But then there's this other option. Joseph could divorce her quietly. And this meant that Joseph and Mary could have this divorce with only two or three witnesses. It was permitted at the time. It would would allow Joseph to maintain his personal righteousness according to the law. And yet it would save Mary from the public disgrace and possible execution. And this is one of the most valued characteristics of Joseph. He isn't just about following and upholding the law. He understands the heart of the law of Moses. He understands that at the heart of this law, there should be compassion and caring. And he should be able to do this without compromising his faith. And this is the situation that Joseph is in. He's a follower of God. And in the midst of this time, I have no doubt he would have been seeking God's will and purpose. He didn't rush into a solution. He didn't jump to the obvious choice that someone who was fanatical about the law would. He thought things through, he waited. He weighed what would be best for him, what would be best for Mary, what would be best for God, and what would God have me to do in this situation? God knows the hearts of men. He knows the struggles that we face. He knows the struggles that Joseph was facing. And even though Joseph would have been greatly hurt by what he interpreted as Mary's unfaithfulness, he still wanted to do what was right. God knew this, and God moved. And isn't it amazing how God never fails, and I do mean never fails, to meet the needs of those who bring their anxieties to him. I can testify that to myself. And there's no different in this situation. God sends his angel to Joseph to confirm that what Mary said is true. And the knowledge that Joseph has now given confirms not only what Mary has says, but also the prophecies about the promised Messiah. Matthew is making a declaration here that this child Jesus, who Mary will give birth to, is the fulfillment of the prophecy that was recorded back in Isaiah 7.14. Joseph is instructed to name the child Jesus. And the prophecy says that the child shall be Emmanuel. And as you know, there is no record in Scripture that either Joseph or Mary or their family called Jesus Emmanuel. But both these names point to who Jesus really is. Jesus means God saves. Emmanuel means God with us. And in hindsight, we can all testify to the truth of those two names. And this very act of Jesus being born is also a sign that we as a people will be delivered from our sin. We will be saved. And Joseph knows these prophecies. He has been waiting for the promised Messiah and he doesn't take lightly the dream that he has just had. When he wakes, he did as the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife, meaning he married her and he didn't sleep with her until Jesus was born. Joseph believes what God has said in his dream. and He takes Mary to be his wife and he finalizes that whole marriage ceremony. They have their wedding and Joseph takes Mary into his home to be with him, to live with him. But the marriage is not consummated until after Jesus is born. And I've got to say, for me, Joseph is an incredible guy. He finds himself betrothed to a wife who is pregnant. And he knows He didn't do it. And once the angelic announcement is made, he is immediately obedient. He doesn't question it. He doesn't look for other ways out. He doesn't wonder why him. He just is obedient to what he is called to do and he takes his wife to be his wife. And it is interesting, isn't it? That when we look at the scriptures, when we look at the gospel message, we automatically think of Mary as a godly woman. And I wonder how many of us think of Joseph. We seem to gloss over the fact that he had an incredible role to play. He was the spiritual leader of that household. And he led that house just as the um, angels had instructed him to do so. And when we look at the end of 25 here, who was it that named Jesus when Jesus was born? It was Joseph. He called his name Jesus. And he was so convinced that this is what he had to do. Every account of Joseph indicates that he was a godly, obedient leader in his marriage and family. And it was his obedience and actions as a result of that obedience which kept Mary and Jesus safe in those early years. I wonder what Joseph was thinking when Jesus was born. He had tenderly and lovingly cared for Jesus and the for Mary, sorry, and this unborn child as if she was carrying his own child. And now he holds that child. Overall by the mystery of it all, his Mary, chosen by God to be the mother of their Saviour. the Savior and Messiah that he personally had anticipated all his life. And he's sitting in the middle of this animal shelter, soaking in every detail. Once he doubted, once he was suspicious, once he questioned, now he has strong faith. Now he has strong belief. Now he sees the promises of God beginning to be fulfilled here in his arms he holds the promised Messiah through Jesus God's covenants would be established and I cannot begin to understand how he would have felt Joseph was a poor man who had little or no status in the villages that he lived. But Joseph was a man who put God first. He wanted to live a life that brought honor and glory to God. He was concerned for his righteous standing before God and by what he saw as Mary's infidelity. But he wasn't legalistic either. Although he was concerned for his own obedience to the law, he was also concerned for Mary's well-being. He didn't abandon his view, belief, or submission to the law in order to care for Mary. But he didn't throw Mary under a bus either. He looks at how he can balance his obedience with compassion. We know Jesus condemns over and over the attitude of the scribes and Pharisees and their legalistic views. Which all but ruled out their compassion and mercy which God commands again and again. But Joseph Joseph is an example of how someone's righteousness can be guided by the values and goals of the law, which rightly include mercy and compassion as expression of God's will. And when we think about it, it was not the religious elite who lived this. It was Joseph. Joseph submitted to God in obedience. When he heard God speak, he suppressed all of his own doubts, all of his suspicions, all of his fears, This situation, which would ruin his reputation, which would make people question his own righteousness, he no longer cared about. He married Mary. I want you to think about your own life. Most of you here, at some time, have come to a point where you saw your need for Jesus. You saw your need for a saviour just as Mary and Joseph did. When we come to this time of year, what are we thinking? What are we focused upon? When we look to the manger at this time of year, we can't help but understand that Jesus was born in the shadow of the cross. He was born in order that he would die and he would die so that we could be forgiven, so we could have relationship with god again when i think about the situation of joseph and the situation that he was in it doesn't seem to make sense here is a man who honored and lived for god here is a man who pursued god in everything that he did and in one moment his whole life is turned upside down he thought he had this bride who was following after the lord as well he thought he had worked out god's purposes for them And you couldn't blame Joseph for wondering in the midst of everything that was going on where God was. What's going on for you right now? Are you faced with similar struggles where you are forced to ask, where are you, God? It doesn't make sense that I'm in this situation. It doesn't make sense that I'm facing these struggles. It doesn't make sense that I don't feel your presence and love and power as much as I need to at this time. Where are you, God? I can imagine... That as Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, there was this whole gamut of emotions that poured in upon him. If it was me, I'd be angry, I'd feel deceived, I'd feel lost, I'd feel cheated. I would have been beside myself. I wouldn't have known what to do. I wouldn't have known how to cope with the situation. I wouldn't have known what to think of what you people would think if I suddenly stood up here and said, you know my fiancée, she's pregnant and I didn't do it. And that's the situation that Joseph was in. And I want to say, we need to be like Joseph. When we're facing difficult situations, when we're up against it, don't be hasty in your response. Wait upon God. Go to God. Put your anxieties upon him. And that's a lovely Christian cliche, is it not? But don't give up. God is hears you god will respond sometimes he doesn't give us the answer that we want do you think joseph was sitting there thinking Mary is just gonna mother the messiah i don't think so but god will come through he will provide an answer He will comfort you in the midst of your troubles. And sometimes our troubles come and they won't be relieved, which is a terrible thing to say, but that's the reality of life on earth. But God will come alongside. He will strengthen you. He will support you. He will carry you. I have walked alongside many people who've suffered terminal illnesses and it continually amazes me when you take the time rather than just assuming they want you to pray for their healing when you take the time to come alongside them and ask them how they want you to pray the amount of those people godly men and women who say I want a closer walk with Jesus and do you think if you prayed that in the midst of that terrible situation God is not going to grant that God is not going to bless that He has again and again and again whatever situation you are going through if you come to Jesus if you pray to him he'll meet you in your point of need i have no doubt it's when joseph prayerfully considered his options that god moves and really when Je- when joseph held jesus just after he was born when he looked down upon his face do you think anything else mattered when we stand in God's presence and in his glory on that day, we'll be able to look back on our life. We'll see the tapestry that has been woven. And from our perspective, it wouldn't have been pretty. But when we see it from God's perspective, we will see his hand in through everything that we have gone through. And we'll have nothing but honor and praise and glory for him because he has been ever-present and ever-true. Joseph, no doubt, would have felt incredible joy as he held Jesus. I have no doubt about that. And at this time of year, we're told that we should be joyful. We're told that we should celebrate. Yeah? But some of us don't feel like celebrating at this time of year. Some of us are going to have an empty seat at the table this year. Some of us are suffering broken relationships. Some of us just don't get on board with the joy that should be present at this time of year, or so we're told. You have anxieties of your own that even your closest friends sometimes don't even know about. I want you to remember Jesus. His name means the one who saves. I want you to remember Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to come back to the manger. I want you to consider again who it is that is contained in the manger. I want you to consider what he means to you. I want you to reflect over this last year. I want you to look back when you first gave your life to Jesus. I wanna ask you to consider, have you still got that hunger, that passion, that desire, that joy that you first experienced when you gave to Jesus, gave your life to Jesus? And if you don't have that, come back to the cradle. Look again at who's in that manger. Look again at this Jesus, this Lord who came and died for you and me. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus turned Joseph's life around. He possibly died when Jesus was quite young. We've only got a record of him up until when Jesus was 12 or 13. But he was a faithful servant of God. And he served God as he should. My question is... Joseph submitted to the will of God and God was able to do mighty things with this man of little or no stature and we're called to do the same. Will we submit to God this year? If we do, Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. He's never going to leave us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the power of your word. And Lord, I thank you for Joseph, a man by the world standards of very little consequence. And I thank you, Lord, it's when those of us who are weak, those of us who have got nothing, give all we are to you that you can do mighty works. And I thank you that you did a mighty work in Joseph's life. Father, will you do it again? There's people with their heads bowed here this morning who desperately need you and I ask you by power of Holy Spirit to meet with them this morning to instruct them in the way that they should go and Lord give them the guts to take that by the throat and to follow you the rest of their days in Jesus name amen